Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. Hi, thanks for joining me. This is Levi Russell, and what I want to talk about today is the the difference between the progressive and the conservative perspectives on um, welfare, and and I want to take an aim, take aim at specifically the universal basic income. And what I'm going to be using as the backdrop for this <clears throat> is two conversations between um, pretty high-profile figures and Ben Shapiro on his uh, Sunday show. So I will link to both of those conversations in the show notes. And the two people who spoke with Ben Shapiro were Tucker Carlson just a few months ago and uh, Andrew Yang. And at least in the, uh, you know, the, the circles that I run around in, um, the, the, the Tucker Carlson conversation was especially interesting <clears throat> in the sense that um, the, Tucker Carlson at one point says uh, that, you know, he would, if he were president, he would ban uh, self-driving trucks because, Truck driving is, uh, you know, a, a relatively well-paid job for a lot of people that can support a family, uh, and um, it's it's relatively uh, low-skilled, and and so it's just sort of a bread and butter type of job, uh, and it really fits, I think, in a lot of the rhetoric uh, that goes into discussions of factory jobs or just blue collar work in general. And so it was interesting that uh, Tucker Carlson takes a certain perspective on technology and innovation and how we should deal with it from a political perspective and, and with economics rolled into it, of course. And then a few months later, just recently, uh, Ben Shapiro has another conversation with Andrew Yang, who is currently uh, a, I think he's polling around 3% for the democratic primary. Uh, but it's a big field already, even though it's only April, um, of the year before the election. <laughs> and, um, so he's, uh, he's this entrepreneur kind of guy, um, has done really well for himself and has some interesting ideas that are, uh, let's say out of step with, uh, a lot of the, uh, more centrist Democrat candidates. And so um, his solution to this whole idea of innovation, um, putting people out of work is his universal basic income. And so it's, uh, which, which uh, he calls it the freedom dividend. It's a thousand dollars a month uh, sort of um, for anyone 18 and over. And it's got a bunch of different things where, you know, if you're, currently in some kind of a welfare program and uh, you, you have to give up those benefits in order to get the freedom dividend. Uh, that's his proposal. And it's interesting the way he thinks about this technological uh, innovation issue in that he says, well, you know, the, the innovation is inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it. And it's much easier to simply um, admit that there's nothing we can do about it and just 
give people money to offset the negative effects of that, that innovation. So, you know, I think he makes a good point in that if you look at the, uh, and I, you know, it's a point Tucker brings up as well in his conversation, but Tucker just doesn't have the, the data to, to make the point. Um, and I believe uh, Yang's discussion was something like, you know, there've been <clears throat> several million people have been uh, put out of work th- due to um, innovation uh, and trade. And a lot of these people don't uh, aren't able to find work um, afterwards. They're not able to retrain or there isn't training um, forthcoming uh, quickly enough for them to uh, swap over. And it, and it makes me think of a movie that I got to see that hasn't been released yet. I don't think, um, <clears throat> but it, it was a, a movie made by Arthur Brooks who, uh, until very recently was the president of the American enterprise Institute. He's a very, um, dynamic speaker, entrepreneur kind of guy. Um, and, and he's pretty, he's pretty interesting. The documentary is called the pursuit. So I'll put a link to the main website for that in the show notes. What's interesting about him is, uh, you know, he, he's, he wants to make the case for sort of free trade, free markets and all that sort of thing. But he wants to do it in a way that responds to the way um, millennials and Zoomers um, are sort of not so enamored with capitalism or their perception of it, uh, and they're they're they like socialism, uh, or at least they like the idea of socialism that they have in their head. And what's interesting, uh, one of the interesting things in his documentary is they talk to some uh, this this family in Appalachia, you know, in in the hills, uh, kind of in a, a mining and manufacturing area uh, in. Uh, you know, the Eastern part of the U S and it's interesting. The, 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 uh, the man of the house is being interviewed and he says, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old. Um, you know, and my job is gone because, you know, uh, this new automation or trade, I can't remember which of the, which of the two was the cause for this particular guy, but he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go back to college? You know, am I supposed to go back to college where there's a bunch of 20 year olds hanging around or, you know, some kind of Votech training school again, you know, he's 55. I mean, it, you know, your, your brain just works differently when you're 55 than it did when you were 20. And so, um, you know, this guy's prospects aren't that great. And so they're sort of on the dole, you know, and, um, you know, just, you, you kind of just see the depression in this guy's face. And, and, you know, at one point he goes, he just goes fishing, you know? And, and so one of the things you might think is like, well, gosh, you know, this guy's going fishing, geez, it must be nice to, you know, just live on the dole and just, you know, go fishing. But it's like, that's despair. You know, that's just utter despair. Just the, 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 the point you get in your life where, you know, you feel, you feel like a leech, you know, this guy, I mean, he even says this kind of thing, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be on the dole. He wants to work, but he just doesn't have the ability to retrain. Um, and, and so I, you know, of, of course we always hear this from, uh, you know, the mainstream of the economics profession, this, this idea is like, well, you know, uh, there are no net losses of jobs for innovation and it's like, okay, yeah. 
maybe no net losses of jobs in the long run, but in the short run. And, uh, you know, if we look at the incidence of this change, this innovation or this trade liberalization or whatever, there are people who get hurt from that. And just because you, they, they could be compensated in sort of the economic theory world uh, for that um, doesn't mean they will be. So just because, uh, you know, the cost of all these other products go down, you know, 25 cents or whatever, who cares? That is not going to make up for the fact that this, this family has lost, you know, a large chunk of their income or maybe all of it. And so, you know, given that there is some kind of factual basis for this, and I think even in, you know, I think even the most staunch uh, sort of proponent of, you know, leave the government out of this kind of area uh, person would have to admit that at least in the short run, you know, there's, there's, there's something that needs to be done. Um, and, and by whom or to what extent, obviously, is an open question. But I think just recognizing that there is a factual basis and a theoretical basis for this in economics, um, it's kind of interesting to see it. that as sort of a common starting point for Tucker and Andrew Yang in their conversations with uh, Ben Shapiro. And so it's kind of funny how the two of these guys take this. And so I want to, I want to talk about two different things. Um, so one is sort of a political perspective and the other is sort of a, just a purely economically technical point. Um, and so on the, on the political side, it's kind of interesting that, you know, we, we would say Andrew Yang is a progressive, right? We would look at his, um, you know, his bevy of political points and political positions. And we would say, you know, Andrew Yang is a progressive. And that, that position, progressivism, is often considered to be sort of antithetical to free markets and innovation and things like that. But what's interesting is he actually goes ahead and says, you know, I actually don't want to stifle innovation at all. I don't want laws against um, new technologies and things like this at all. And I think that's it makes such a good point that the, the point we're at right now where we have these high-profile candidates and high-profile high um, you know, commentators like Tucker Carlson that are saying these things that are not uh, sort of in the, the, the normal, uh, I guess, uh, sort of centrist liberal perspective paradigm, right? Um, and so, you know, making these kinds of points, a progressive saying, yes, we need more innovation and we shouldn't stop it. We should just redistribute at the federal level, uh, you know, $12,000 a year guaranteed income for everyone 18 and over. Um, it's just so interesting to me. I mean, I don't think his plan is feasible, but wow, you know, you really do see this melding of um, economic and social perspectives around progressivism with Andrew Yang. And so then Tucker, you know, you would think uh, in, in Yang and Tucker both being uh, sort of disagreeing with Ben Shapiro on this issue, because Ben, Ben is kind of just giving you the quintessential sort of free market perspective that, well, you know, the innovation's there, it's going to take care of it in the long run. There's no uh, net job loss. You know, everybody's, everybody's just fine. Um, 
And so he's having to argue against that, uh, against Tucker and Yang from that position in both cases. And Yang and Tucker, again, they have these different responses. And, and Tucker's, um, politically speaking, is, is very conservative. It's very, um, I guess, reactionary or traditionalist or whatever the word is you want to use. Um, and, and his says more, uh, his, his is more of a point about, um, you know, just, just stop the technology. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily need self-driving cars and yeah, sure. It's going to make, uh, you know, even if it makes products cheaper and, uh, makes us all more efficient and this and that and the other, it's just simply not worth the loss that it brings when, um, it puts so many people uh, in these breadwinner type jobs out of work. It's just not worth it. Um, and so I, I, it's kind of interesting to see these two very polar opposite kinds of perspectives, both opposed to, you know, what I would call the sort of central centrist liberal narrative that, um, you know, the Ben Shapiro does a good job of, of um, presenting. So that's the political perspective. And then I think the other, the other side of it is it really comes off with something that Andrew Yang said that's more in the economic realm. So in other words, more about the sort of technical, how would these things shake out uh, type of um, discussion. And what he says is, so he, he's sort of justifying his, um, his perspective on uh, giving the UBI or, or starting this UBI program, this universal basic income, uh, this freedom dividend as a response to these innovations and how they displace people's uh, income or, or put them out of work. And so, you know, Ben Shapiro sort of brings up that um, Tucker Carlson says, you know, well, let's just ban the trucks, you know. Um, and so Andrew Yang gets to talking about, um, you know, truck driving and how it's important and this and that. And he says, I think it's harder to figure out how to stop the innovation than it is to just deal with the consequences on the back end. So it's harder to predict what innovation we need to squash relative to trying to sort out who we should be compensating. And I, I think that's, I, 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 to me, that, that's where I would really part ways with Yang. I mean, the UBI, I'm not really all that hot on either, but I just think this is just silly. Uh, you know, it's not about predicting which types of technology um, are, are going to need to be prohibited. Um, the, the point is that once you see something like this coming down the pike, you just have to respond to it. And trying to determine exactly how much all of these different people that might be hurt um, either directly or indirectly from some kind of an innovation, innovation um, just doesn't, um, it just doesn't seem possible to me. I think that's just such a, it's a much harder thing to do economically to figure out who precisely is hurt and how much they're hurt by something. And so, yeah, is, is this, um, you know, squashing innovation, is that, um, you know, is that, does that, does that slow down the increase in our standard of living? Does that, um, 
you know, does that favor one, one group of people, namely sort of blue collar, um, you know, and, and especially older folks who um, are going to have a harder time being retrained? Sure. But maybe that's worth it to avoid things like, uh, you know, this opioid crisis. And, and Andrew Yang makes a great point where he says that um, the opioid crisis is, uh, is, is incredibly strong in those same areas where people were displaced by technological improvements. Uh, their jobs were displaced by, by um, you know, basically capital investment in, in some kind of new, uh, new robot or something like that. And so it, it just, I think, comes down to sort of a cost-benefit analysis and, and a sort of uh, humility about um, what you think you can predict or what you think you can sort out in the, the sort of economic analysis. Um, and, you know, I, I just think these, these cost-benefit analyses are not, they're never going to be perfect, but we have to avoid saying that because the policy is not going to perfectly solve the problem it's intended to solve and that there may be some unintended negative consequences, that doesn't mean that we can't take the risk or that we shouldn't take the risk. Um, it just means we should be careful about it and we should be cognizant of it. Um, and again, so this is, I think, very much uh, where I think, you know, Ben Shapiro's position is, is the wrong way to go. Um, and then the other thing, again, is going back to this, this idea of trying to figure out how to uh, predict or forecast um, changes in technology versus trying to figure out who exactly is hurt by these policies. I, I, I just think that's the wrong way to frame it. And, and I think that's where I would, I would side more with um, Tucker on his, uh, his solution. You know, there's just, maybe there are just some things we just don't need to do as human beings, you know, in, in terms of innovation and stuff like that. Um, and then this is all putting aside the idea that, you know, maybe self-driving trucks might not displace as many jobs as we think, um, just based on the way drivers actually work. Uh, I think a lot of people commenting on this stuff don't really understand truck driving because, you know, the thing could drive itself, sure, but driving isn't the only thing trucks do. <laughs> they deliver. So anyway, uh, just a quick episode, and I just really wanted to kind of get this thing off of my chest about um, looking at these two guys who, you know, in, in one in one framing are very similar. But then when you sort of dive into the specifics, I think you see that there's actually uh, a pretty good size gap there. And so with that, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, I appreciate all of you listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.